If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 9. I believe this morning, no person apart from Jesus himself shaped the history of Christianity like the Apostle Paul. Even before he was a believer, his actions were significant. His frenzied persecution of Christians following Stephen's death got the church started and obeying Christ's final command to take the gospel to the world. So this morning, in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if they found any of this way, whether they were men, women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus. And suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecute. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told to thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without food or without sight, neither did he eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And he said to the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, one of the called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man, which thou hast much evil, and hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon thy name. 
But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is, cho- he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great and mighty things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee on thy way, as comest and has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell upon his eyes, as it were as had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he received meat, he was strengthened. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this experience that Paul received that we may know, Father, what you've called for us to do. In Jesus' name. So there's great news at at conversion. There's there's great news when we think about it. Because when you're thinking about Luke 15, 10, in the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels over sinners who repent. We also see in Luke 15, 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There's joy in the presence of heaven when people come to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's joy in the believer's heart when an, when an unsaved person comes to Jesus. Many in the body of Christ are overjoyed at what God has done through the Spirit because we can't save anyone. Only the Holy Spirit can save. And so when one comes home, when one receives, one acknowledges that he needs Jesus Christ, we're we're joyed because they have asked Jesus for forgiveness. We know that there's now one more in the presence of God, one more in heaven. But how important is that when it becomes personal? You see, the question of conviction here from Paul in Acts 9.4 is, why persecute thou me? This is our first introduction to Saul. Saul, there, there were prayers for Saul. Saul heard a voice of the Lord, and now he must learn to pray. You see, he was a religious scholar. He was somebody who knew the ways of God. But it was going to take something miraculous to reach him. See, because all of the persecuting he was doing, all the killing he was doing, he was doing in the name of God. He thought he was doing the right thing because of all these people who were talking about Jesus, he thought they were blasphemers. So he was taking care of God's business. Well, let me tell you something. God doesn't need you to take care of his business. God can take care of his business. 
And so Saul was going to have to learn that kind of the hard way. He was a man who thought he was doing right. He was Jewish. And he claimed that these Christians were blasphemous. You see, the problem with Saul was he couldn't see what the Christians already knew. And see, sometimes we become so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. Sometimes we become so, I don't know if this is the right word, ambiguous about what we know and we've got to force it onto someone else. See, Jesus is subtle in his word. He, he, he says what he means and he means what he says. He doesn't twist things up. He doesn't give you this long, drawn-out thing to try to get you to understand something. It's pretty simple. His words are simple. Because, you see, as I think of Saul, Saul was a, was a, was a very intellectual person. He may be one of the greatest minds of the New Testament. When you think about it, because he wrote over half of the New Testament. God sent an experience to Saul to make him aware of his sin. Many of us have had an experience. I believe that Jesus has allowed us to experience conviction so we would turn to him. Because if we had no conviction in our heart, we would not lean toward the Lord. But when Jesus began to speak to us, what began to happen? Your heart began to change. Things became, and your life became very unsettled. I think that we, church, as a body of Christ, need, desire, need to desire more experiences with God. We need to have more experiences with Jesus. And not, not just on Sunday, oh man, God really spoke to me Sunday. You know what? Let me give you a little news snip. God is able to speak to you every single day. Every single moment of your life, Christ is able to speak to you. He's able to give you an experience every day. You know what the greatest experience is? I want everybody to do this together. Take a deep breath. Let it out. That's the greatest experience of your life. Because Jesus has given you a way to live. Without his air, you have dropped dead. You'd be shriveled up little prunes. You don't know what that looks like? Go sit in the bathtub for about four hours. Or in a swimming pool for half a day. When you get out, everything's all shriveled up. I would think that the water would go in and you would blow up. But I think, I guess, when you get in there and you sit in there, all the water leaks out and things shrivel up. I don't know. I don't understand that concept, but that's how it works. But listen, I think, church, the reason the churches aren't growing today and that people aren't growing today in God is because they're not desiring an experience from the Lord. I think the more we desire, I think the more that we seek a desire and experience from the Lord on a daily basis, 
the more we will grow and the more we will want people to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. I think this morning as we served communion, I think that was an an awesome experience. I think when we had worship this morning, it was another experience because the presence of Almighty God was resting in this place and he's still resting in this place. He wants us to experience him on a daily basis. He wants us to worship him on a daily basis. Let me ask you a question this morning. What must God send your way to get you to have an experience with him? You see, I think the question is for us is, We need the experience to understand that we need to turn ourselves completely over to him, to trust him, to lean upon him, to give him our all. You see, I believe that when we do those things, we begin to have a deeper, more relevant understanding, if you will, of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. But then there's the question of conversion. When Saul asks that question, who art thou, Lord? He was stumped. He was stumped. Who art thou, Lord? So what does that tell you? That tells you somewhere around the the road, somewhere along the way, he knew God. He knew the Lord. Because now, you know how we know? Because Jesus had already walked the earth. Jesus had already been on the earth. So he knew who he was. He knew. I think he had some, somewhere along the way had encountered Jesus' voice somewhere along the road because he recognized it. But the question really asks this. What is the real answer to life? Saul, who sat at the feet of Gamil, Gamil being the elder, the teacher. He was the leading authority in the Sanhedrin in the, in the early first century. And so Saul learned under his teaching. You see, I believe that we have to be careful when we read certain things. It reminds me of that little song, and I know I probably shouldn't sing it because I'm not a good singer. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. You know that song? Be careful, little ears, what you hear. From the Father up above. Yes, you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Then he talks about your mouth. Be careful, little mouth, what you speak. For your Father up above, looking down in all love, Be careful. You see, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon every believer brings us to a place when we can ask, Who art thou, Lord? When Jesus captured your heart, when Jesus began to transform you, he began to make you a new person. You didn't say, Who art thou, Lord? You said, Lord, come in. Why? Because you felt the transition. You felt the overwhelming uh, 
peace that Jesus was bringing into your life. Saul didn't expect to receive the answer he received on the road to Damascus when he said, I am Jesus. The Jesus who you have scorned. The Jesus whose life and death seem to insult your very intelligence. Jesus whom had come to resent. These are all the things that, that, that Saul saw. Jesus whose followers you despise. I'm sure at that moment in time, he was overwhelmed. When, when Jesus, the creator of the universe, was speaking to him in such a way that he was now understanding all these things that he was doing was not to hurt people, but it was hurting Jesus. How many things in our life has Jesus spoke to us about? But we continue to do it. We continue to hurt him. We continue to ignore him. And when we ignore him, when we don't listen to him, we continue to hurt him. What will that have me to do? How many got up this morning and looked at the heavens or was in their prayer time and said, Jesus, what will that have me to do? I don't think any of us did. I didn't do it. But you know, that should be our question every morning. Our question every morning should be to the Lord, what will thou have me to do? Basically, what you're saying is, Jesus, what do you want me to do for you today? You see that statement in Acts chapter 9, verse 6, here is a statement of surrender. You see, the word consecration means the action of making or declaring something, typically a church, something sacred in Christian belief. The action of declaring bread and wine or to represent the body and the blood of Christ. Now history is made. Saul will be used of God to change the world. No longer killing Christians, no longer killing people in general for what he thought was the right thing to do. But now he knows no longer is he living for himself, he is living for Jesus. You see, church, when we came to Christ, when we were baptized, we died to self. We now became followers of Christ. We've now became the people who need to follow after him who need to do his will by following his commands, by reaching outside of ourselves, by pulling others into the kingdom, not pushing them away. You see, but that's the problem. Some of us are too in the busy habit of pushing people away by using words or taking words that God has given and twisting them and making it seem like it's impossible to serve the king of kings. Keep it simple. Jesus loves you. The gift of salvation is free. Saul is now to be a servant of God. 
How many of us this morning say, I want to be a servant of God? You see, Saul thought he was persecuting heretics, but he was cutting Jesus himself. How many hurtful words do we say toward people that were actually cutting Jesus himself? And we think we're doing it in the name of Jesus. You see, the experience that he had on the Damascus Road was a, was a very real experience. How many of us can say this morning, we've had a Damascus Road experience? I can say all of us, because all of us were blinded to the gospel at one time in our life. It wasn't until we were introduced to Jesus where the scales removed from our eyes and we understood who the Savior of Jesus was and is to us. The Lord wants to meet us right where we are. He knows what situation you're in. He knows where you are in your walk. He just wants to meet you right where you are. He loves you so much. He cares so much that he wants to do everything he can for you to have the experience of a lifetime. You know, a lot of people think the experience of a lifetime is to go to Disney and ride one of those funny rides or do a see Mickey Mouse or Tom wants a teacup. But I'm telling you, the experience of a lifetime is coming and meeting with Jesus face to face. You see, our worship church, and every morning and every night and every time during the day as we pray, our worship to him is to have an experience with him face to face. I yearn to, to reach out and to touch his face every time I have the opportunity to pray. Every time I have the opportunity to meet with him. Church, he loves you just the way you are. And he wants you to do things for him. Right where you are. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for you to figure out the ultimate way to do something. He just wants you to simply follow his will. Do it his way. Do it his way. Don't try to do it yours. Don't try to make it happen your way. Just do it Jesus' way. You know what I'm saying? That's all God wants for us. Our conversion was an experience. All of us could think back just for a moment where you were when Jesus came into your life. You can remember what you were doing. I've told you many times my testimony of sitting on the hood of that car and a young man sitting beside me drinking a beer too. And he said, what would happen if Jesus came right now? That was my introduction. But it grabbed my attention. I'm thinking, you know, my question was, I don't know. If Jesus came right now, I don't know. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? What would happen? What are, you, what are you talking about? It began my journey to becoming a Christian, to becoming a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the beginning 
Can you imagine being introduced to Jesus on the hood of a car drinking a beer? You're thinking, really, Pastor? <laughs> yeah. Jesus knows where you are all the time. Whether you're a sinner or you're a Christian, he knows where each person is. And he knows what's going to do and he knows what's going to take place when that introduction happens. And I'll tell you, I can't be happier this day than the day I heard his name for the first time that made an impact in my life. I'd heard about him before as a child when I went to the Methodist church, but it never clicked. Why? Because it wasn't an experience. Sitting on the hood of that car was an experience. My first true experience. That's when my mind exploded. Well, Jesus? If he came? What would happen? I couldn't wait to get to church Sunday. Because <laughs> I was hoping he'd hold off till I got there. You see, church, Jesus and his grace is sufficient. He loves us so much that he makes a way every day. Father, I thank you for this experience that Paul had, this, this, this Damascus Road experience. Father, we desire today to have that same experience. Father, we desire to have an experience every day with you. In every situation, in every, in every way, Lord, we desire to have that experience. Lord, I pray that you will help us, Father God, to have that experience. Help us to have others to have the same experience. Lord, take us in your way, Father God, that your will would be done each and every day in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen.